great God that he is, there is no God like our God. And he is worthy of all the praise and all the glory. I feel sorry for some of us that think what I just said is just filler. Because some of you need to realize how good he's been to you in your life. Hallelujah. I, you know, I, I sometimes, can I, I be real honest with you? I know we got to preach on tonight, but I'm going to be real honest with you. It grieves my spirit sometimes to see people that the Lord has brought you through so much for you to have so the least praise. It grieves me because I can't understand how the Lord has been that good to you, yet you still sit there and say, I ain't got nothing to praise him for. I've grown in my spiritual walk to the place that whatever state I'm in, I've made up my mind, I will bless the Lord at all times. And his praise shall continually be in my mouth. And it's not based on circumstances, not based on who's around me. It's not based on how good or bad my day went. Sometimes the best praise is on the worst day. <laughs> Look at somebody and say, your best praise is on your worst day. When your heart is broken, when you are overwhelmed with life, if you can muster up just a little bit of praise and give God glory in the midst of it, can you do me a favor on the count of three, whether you had a good day or a bad day, I want you just to disrupt the atmosphere just for a minute and just give God the best praise that you can. Come on, one, two, three, give God the best praise. Come on, come on, if he's been good to you, come on, if you know without a shadow of a doubt that he's been good to you. Come on. Hallelujah. Come on. Come on. Bless your name, Jesus. You are a good God. You are worthy of all the praise. You are worthy of all the glory. There is no God like you, and we celebrate you on tonight, God. Hallelujah. We bless your name, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 I'm trying to tell you, there's some people that are sitting around you that can tell you, listen, if you must up a praise, depression will get off you. You must up a praise, fear and worry and anxiety have to leave you alone. Hallelujah. I'm not, I'm not a fair weather Christian that everything has to be wonderful in order for me to praise him. I was praising him when my car broke down. <laughs> I lost some of y'all right there. I praised him when J.A. sent that note, notice with the red, red around me. Some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about. I, and, and so I don't, you know, some of y'all, it, it, it grieves my spirit because you're living better than you've ever lived. You got more money than you've ever had in your life, and you're still miserable. And, you know, we sing an old song, What More Can He Do? Y'all don't know that song. Y'all have no clue what I just said. Old people used to sing a song called What More Can He Do? In other words, he's done so much for you that he is worthy of all the glory and worthy of all the honor. And I am praying that in this church, in 2020, that we dispel this, 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 this thinking that everything has to be wonderful in order for me to give God glory. I promise you he'll take your life to the next level when you learn how to praise him in spite of it, in spite of what you go through. Some uh, our preacher said to me, because, you know, they watch us on social media. They watch this church very closely on social media. And he, called, he texted me and said, I can't believe you went to church. I know you weren't feeling well. And I said, yeah, I wasn't feeling well, but I still had to go to the house of God and give God the glory. And uh, I went home. Catherine had recorded.
recorded me and put me on her uh, timeline, you notice I didn't share it. Because I, I sounded a mess. You hear me? A mess. A, a mess. A hot mess. That was the anointing. Amen. And, and, and I, was, I, I, saw, I was like, Jesus, I sound so bad. But it was something on the inside of me that said, I just can't sit at home. You know? I just can't sit there. I have to push beyond where I am and give God what is due to his name. And I promise you, when you start to praise him, you'll start to feel a whole lot better. Amen. Any do me a favor, if you don't mind, um, turn this around for me, please. Amen. Turn that around for me, please. Amen. Well, we have a preacher on tonight that's coming to teach the word of God. And um, I am grateful to God that um, I get a, a chance to get a break. Amen. Um, God in his sovereignty knew that uh, I needed a break uh, from everything that has been going on this year, and so um, I, I charged the ministers, uh, some of the ministers, to, to teach the Word of God um, in this month, and so, um, yeah, which one y'all getting? The lights? Well, here come minister. Amen. Praise God. Thank you. Hallelujah. All right. Yes. Just one side. Hey, praise God. Thank you. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to his name. Amen. And so um, I know I needed a break, and um, I thank God for uh, ministers who um, are willing to sit at the feet of their teacher and their leader and receive in order for them to be able to give to other people. Um, we live in a day and time where everybody is a preacher and a prophetess and a, you know, apostle and, you know, got all these titles, and but nobody's willing to sit and serve before you can be before you can be served or serve someone else. And I thank God that these ministers took the time and took the effort um, over over the not just this month but over this year to sit and and receive um, what God has put inside of me. Um, I'll never forget. Um, you know, ministers sometimes get puffed up and they they think they know everything. And I'll never forget. I went through a season when I was a minister at a former church and um, I had just started out in ministry and you know I acted like you know because I could shout people real good I thought I knew how to do this thing and my pastor at the time looked at me and said I just want to let you know something what I forgot you still trying to learn yeah let that marinate because we get so puffed up that we think we know everything that sometimes somebody need to come along and let you know you ain't got it yet. You still learning. It's just like when your children think they know better than you do. The parents in here know what I'm talking about. And so um, I thank God for ministers that sit at the feet and, and receive and, and, and are in a position that I can launch them into what God has. And we have a preacher on tonight. I'm excited about this word and what God is going to speak in this house. Can you bless God for Minister Brianna as she comes to break the bread of life? Amen. 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 Pastor said that willing, yes, I was willing, but he didn't tell y'all I had a whole anxiety attack when he said we were going to be teaching on Wednesday and Sunday. Um, I, I really don't know how he does it week on week, preparing multiple sermons and multiple lessons throughout the week because this week and the weeks leading up to it have been rough. Amen. 
But there is a word from the uh, the Lord on tonight. Um, I want to give honor to my husband. He's running late, um, Davin. And thank you, Pastor, for this opportunity. Let us pray. Most gracious and eternal God, first and foremost, we say thank you, God. Thank you for allowing us to make it to your house of worship one more time, God. God, I pray that you decrease me and increase your Holy Spirit within me, oh God. Hide me behind the Christ so that cross so that they don't see me, but they see you, oh God. These are all the blessings I ask in your son Jesus' name. Amen. I won't prolong the hour. So tonight we're continuing uh, with this theme of the birth of Jesus. And we're going to look at the prophecy of Jesus being fulfilled. Although we know the prophecy was fulfilled, Mary and Joseph went through a lot leading up to Jesus' birth. If I had to title this lesson, it would simply be From Troubles to Triumphs. Troubles are often referred to as trials and or tribulations, and we know they are a part of all of our lives. Uh, if I had to illustrate tribulations, I would examine the process the olive goes through in order to produce the oil. How many of you know how olive oil is made? The olive has to go through a crushing, a beating, and a pressing. It's a long and strenuous process, but at the end of the process, we get this fine product that we are able to do so much with. Some would say that the process or the trials were worth it in the end. How many, of us feel, how many of us can attest that we sometimes feel like the olive? We sometimes feel crushed, beaten, and pressed on every side. Sometimes we feel like the world is against us, like nothing is going our way, like even God has turned away from us. We have financial problems and health issues, marital problems and family problems, job issues and car problems, and the list can go on but we know as Christians that we are going to have trials and tribulations. Pastor just said that we're going to have trials and tribulations. Jesus said in John chapter 16, in this world, you will have tribulation. So as we continue our study on the birth of Christ, we're going to see that even Mary and Joseph had their fair share of trials and tribulations as they were preparing to bring the Savior into the world. Tonight, we're going to see how they handled it and what God did about it. Y'all riding with me? So let's go to Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. And I know it's a lot of verses, but we're going to look at it section by section. So keep your Bibles and your apps open. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. And so this first section, we're going to go through um, our verses 1 through 3. And I just want to set the stage for you. In Luke chapter 2, we have a tyrant. And how many can attest that oftentimes our problems are, due, are associated with other people? We tend to disagree on something. We have an argument. They don't do things the way we like or they sometimes offend us. And sometimes if we're honest, the problems are more our fault than theirs. But that's a lesson for another time. We just have differences. But in verses 1 through 3, we see a selfish and egotistical tyrant who caused a lot of problems for Mary and Joseph. So if you're taking notes, this first section is going to be called Tyrants, and it's, I'm going to read verses 1 through 3, and it says, And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone in his own city. Here we have Caesar Augustus, who, and he had a political platform we are all too familiar with under this current administration. 
he implemented a lot of new taxes that would essentially hurt the middle and the lower class but benefit the wealthy. It says in verse 1 and 3 that he made a decree for everyone to go to their hometown, their hometown to be registered. Essentially, he's saying, I need y'all to return home so that, I, so that I can get an accurate count and know how many people are there so I can get run some figures and get the money right for my bank account. Some would argue that Caesar Augustus was different from modern presidents as he, was, he wasn't elected by the people. He was a king and he kind of had free reign to do whatever he wanted. And here, he wanted to tax the people. And in order to do that, he, had, he needed them to register and to take part of a census. It goes without saying that Caesar had quite an ego. He was very proud and arrogant. He wanted to be greater than any ruler before him. In doing some research, I found that Augustus actually means majesty, which is a name typically associated with divinity. It carries the idea of being of the gods. Caesar Augustus is literally translated to mean Caesar God. In essence, he was proclaiming himself to be a god, but we know that it was with a little g. That is important. That is part of the reason he taxed the people so heavily. He figured a god should live in luxury and ease and that the people should pay for his luxuries. And so he taxed them. Trump, I'm, I'm sorry, I mean Caesar Augustus <laughs> didn't care how his heavy taxes placed financial burdens on the people and he didn't care that his method of registration caused great disruption for the lives of the people he was leading. Trump, I mean Caesar didn't care that by forcing people to return to their hometowns to be registered, he was forcing people to go on long journeys and possibly uproot their families and lose their jobs. He didn't care if people were sick. He didn't care if people were old. He just didn't care. It didn't matter to him if the subjects of his empire were greatly inconvenienced by his decree. He just wanted his money. He did whatever he wanted. If the people didn't like it, it was too bad. And if they tried to rebel, he had his vast military to deal with the uprising. Like I said, this sounds all too familiar. But in the midst of this, Mary and Joseph submitted even though it made their lives miserable, even though they ran into many troubles, even though the boss was working their last nerve, they still submitted. They didn't necessarily agree, but they still submitted. The lesson here is that although they encountered a tyrant, someone difficult to deal with, they still submitted. They were not necessarily submitting to Caesar Augustus, but they were ultimately submitting to God. Caesar was ruling, but God was in charge. For he used Caesar's decree to move Mary and Joseph from Nazareth to Bethlehem to fulfill his word. Mary and Joseph knew what the angel of the Lord had revealed to them, so they didn't have to get angry and throw a tantrum. They just went along for the ride. Turn to your neighbor and say, go along for the ride. All that to say, if you're taking notes, don't let difficult people deter you from fulfilling the promises God has made to you or about you. Amen. Remember, the title of this lesson is From Troubles to Triumph. So we looked at how people can sometimes interrupt the process of you getting to your triumphs. But let's look at the troubles Mary and Joseph experienced. The next set of verses we're going to examine are verses 4 through 7. And it says, Joseph also went up to Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, 
who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swallowing cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room in the inn. So here we see they experienced many troubles. First of all, verse 4 says that they went out into the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. They have to travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem, which is, a, which is a trip of about 80 miles. Today with cars, we can make that trip in about an hour and a half if you got good gas mileage. But without cars, that's quite a distance for anyone to travel. Google Maps says by foot it would take 33 hours, meaning this 80-mile journey took them several days. And on top of all that, Mary is approximately nine months pregnant. Now, I ain't never been pregnant, but I don't think that this is an ideal time to be traveling 80 miles without a car. <laughs> if that's not enough trouble, we learned that Joseph was of the house and lineage of David. This doesn't seem like a trouble at first because we all want to be descendants of a famous person. Joseph was the descendant of one of the most famous Israelites of all times, King David. And many would consider this a good thing. But the trouble comes in when we realize that a direct descendant from the royal line of David is being pushed around by an egotistical, pagan, and selfish Caesar Augustus. If we were Joseph, we probably would have demanded our rights. We probably would have made a long, drawn-out drawn post on social media. We would have called, I would have called my congressman. We would have passed around a petition for people to sign. We would have complained to the local news. We would have raised an outcry about how unfair this was. We would have protested. We would have passed around a picture of our pre very pregnant wife who was nine months pregnant and demanded answers on how Caesar could, be a, could treat a woman in her condition and make her travel 80 miles just to be taxed. We're talking about troubles. We would have raised an outcry against the tax itself and how unselfish how unfair and unjust and unnecessary it was. Maybe we would have said that because we were in the royal line of David, such a law shouldn't apply to us. You know how we like to do. If we think it's going to benefit us, we quick to say, oh, I'm related to so-and-so, or uh, I grew up with them. Y'all know how we do. But not Joseph. He took it all in stride. Literally, he put a sign on his carpentry shop that said, went to be taxed, I'll be back soon packed up his suitcase, hopefully got a donkey for Mary who was set to deliver any day, and they left for Bethlehem. That's it. No complaining and no campaigning, just obedience. All that to say, yes, troubles will come, but will you be found being obedient or complaining? If you're taking notes, write this down. God wants my obedience, and delayed obedience is still disobedience. God wants my obedience, and delayed obedience is still disobedience. Amen? If we're continuing going through the scripture, things only get worse when they finally arrive in Bethlehem. The journey went much slower than normal because of how far along Mary was, meaning they arrived in Bethlehem after everybody else. Thus, there was no place for them to stay. You know the story. All the ends was full. So up until this point, not only were they being taxed, not only did they have to travel far, the Bible says there was no room for them in the end. Now, it can't get much worse than this for Joseph. Homeboy has to leave home, 
He has to close up his shop. He has to go on an 80-mile journey. He feels bad that he has to take his very pregnant wife. And then, to top it all off, when they arrive in Bethlehem, he realizes all the ends are full, and he forgot to make reservations. I imagine he isn't feeling like a good husband at this point. Nothing is going the way he hoped it would. All his plans to provide food and shelter and safety for his new wife and soon-to-be-born child have been destroyed. This is not how he imagined starting a family. The problems he was facing are beyond anything he knows how to deal with. He's at his wit's end. He doesn't know what to do. He feels ashamed and depressed. I can imagine that he is feeling anger towards Caesar for making him do this. And at other times, I would guess that he feels some type of way towards God for allowing this to happen. Like, God, you told me this baby was going to be the king of kings. Why am I going through all of this? If I was in his shoes, I probably would have quit. Just be like, hey, we winging it, you know. Like, but Joseph doesn't. He presses on. Though sometimes it doesn't look like it, and though it doesn't feel like it anymore, he knows that God still loves him and is somehow going to work things out for his good because God is still in control. Turn to your neighbor and say, God is in control. Besides, Mary could, came to the same conclusion, and if anyone had something to complain about, it was her. How many ladies, when you're nine months pregnant, want to go on an 80-mile journey by foot? Then takes that which takes several days and then at the end of it all not a hot meal not a warm bath not a comfortable bed just a stack of hay in a, some, in a barn which you share with a few cows and a couple of horses the stable by the way history uh, theologians believe that it was a cave rather than a wooden structure um, as the nativity scenes portray it but when it but then to make matters worse, while Mary is trying to make this dirty uh, cave feel a little more like home, she starts to feel contractions. And I'm sure Mary was like, man, this can't be happening now. Not here. No woman I know want to give birth in a barn. I can imagine Mary just praying, God, can't this wait a few days until we find a cleaner place to stay? Or God, you gave me this child. Can't you also postpone the delivery just for a few days? If we're being honest, we have all had those moments when we found ourselves pleading with God. God, can't this wait till I do this? Or can't that wait till this gets done? But God didn't wait. He had his reason and his purpose for having his son born in a lowly and dirty stable. It appears from the verses that Mary didn't even have any help. There was no doctors, no midwives, or no doulas. Just Mary and some animals. It's hard to say, but Mary probably cried a lot. This was not the way she wanted to have her first, her first child, and definitely not the way she thought such a miraculous baby would be born. Joseph was probably crying too. This had to be hard for him to watch his wife struggle in this way. It's not what he wanted for her, but the Bible tells us in Luke chapter two, verse seven, they wrapped the newborn babe in swaddling cloths and laid him in a, in a manger. So we're still talking about the troubles Mary and Joseph experienced. Again, a manger is not the best crib. It didn't have any safety features, no soft mattress and receiving blankets. No, a manger is just a feeding trough for the animals to eat out of. But Mary and Joseph put some hay in it and laid Jesus on it. That was it. Again, something I'm sure distressed both Mary and Joseph, but they couldn't help but think as they gazed down upon him that somehow, everything was going to be all right. 
And in fact, although they didn't know it, the swaddling cloths they wrapped him in were symbols of that very thing. Swaddling cloths are strips of linen in which they are wrapped tightly around newborn babies. But it, what I found interesting is because it would be about 33 years later that Jesus would again be wrapped in strips of linen and placed in a cave once more. In both instances, things changed drastically. In both instances, at Jesus' birth and three days after his death, just when the night was darkest, just when those who loved Jesus the most, his parents at his birth, and his disciples at his death began to wonder if God had forgotten them. Sometimes we too wonder if God has forgotten us. We wonder, will the night ever come to an end? But the angels came to announce a change. Y'all still with me? So we learned about the uncaring tyrant caused Joseph and Mary a great inconvenience. We've seen that they had to experience many troubles, but they endured them without complaining or becoming bitter. And as a result, God acts on their behalf and everything changes. How many can testify that God can use our troubles for triumphs? Just to recap, in section one, we looked at the tyrant. In section two, we saw the troubles Mary and Joseph experienced. And in this third section, we're going to examine their triumphs. We're going to see how God turned things around for their good. If you still have your Bibles open, we're going to skip down to verse 13. Verse 8 through 12, the angels give the holy proclamation that Jesus of Jesus' birth to the shepherds. For the sake of time, we're going to fast forward to verse 13 and 14. And it says, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the most high and on earth peace good will towards men and suddenly god can do things suddenly suddenly there was an angel a multitude and heavenly host praising god and saying glory to god in the highest and on earth peace good will towards men now it's interesting that caesar augustus who wanted to be held as god through his selfishness set into motion events that the true god would come to earth and be praised by angels Furthermore, in doing some research, history tells us that Caesar Augustus was praised for having inaugurated world peace. But we know it was not a real or a lasting peace. Minister Winchell taught us about the, the prophecy of Isaiah, which tells us Jesus would be the prince of peace. So here we have the angels fulfilling the prophecy, and they proclaim that Christ will bring peace. Peace does not come through money and power, but through humility and service. And all important peace with God comes only to those who believe in Jesus for eternal life. Only through Christ can you have true and lasting peace. That is the message that the angels proclaim. The NIV translation of the Bible does an excellent job of translating this verse. It reads, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. You see, Jesus came to bring peace. Mary and Joseph experienced many troubles, but it was all worth it because she was birthing the prince of peace amen continuing to verse 15 and 18 it says so it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another let us now go to bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass which the lord has made known to us and they came with haste and found mary and joseph and the babe lying in a manger now when they had seen him they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning the child and all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told to them by the shepherds. So the angels disappeared, went back into heaven, and the shepherds was like, let's go. 
it says they came with haste. This was the first Christmas rush, but certainly different from the Christmas rush we are familiar with. They were rushing to see Jesus. I wish we were more like those shepherds. They heard the word of God spoken by the angels, and they immediately acted upon it. They immediately acted upon it. They didn't wait around until it was morning. They didn't ask the, for better directions. They immediately acted. Can you imagine uh, the shepherd saying, uh, Brother Angel, there's a lot of stables out here in Bethlehem. You wouldn't by chance have a street address. Um, no, they received by faith the message of uh, God sent to them, and then they responded with immediate obedience. Even if they didn't know where all the stables were, they made up in their mind that they would go from stable to stable until they found the one with Mary, Joseph, and Jesus in it. We should also note that the angels didn't appear to kings. They didn't appear to the mayor of Bethlehem. They, just, they didn't appear to the religious leaders in Bethlehem. They appeared to shepherds, just humble shepherds out in the field. It's important to note that the shepherds were considered outcasts in Israel. Their work not only made them ceremonially unclean, but their work also kept them away from the temple for weeks at time. Thus, they could not be purified. But that didn't stop them from spreading the good news about Jesus' arrival. Verse 17 tells us, Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning the child. This suggests to me that the shepherds became the first Christian evangelists. The first witnesses to spread the good news of the Messiah. When they saw Jesus Christ, they couldn't keep silent about him. They told everyone they met. Again, they are a lesson for us. Not only did they obey God's word immediately, but they also went beyond that and told others about Jesus. That is why I'm so grateful that we went through the discipleship track this year. Because once you have seen Jesus, once you have encountered him, it's a privilege and an honor and a necessity to tell everybody else about him. Once you have seen Jesus, you can't keep from talking about him even if you try. The shepherds were so excited about what they had seen and heard, they had to tell somebody. And we see the results in verse 18, and it says, And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. This is, an, this is a key idea after all we have seen tonight. Things did not go as planned for Mary and Joseph. They had experienced more troubles than they should have. And rather than complain, rather than criticize, they quietly accepted what God was doing. Joseph could have gotten the big head and demanded he get what he deserved as a descendant of King David, but he didn't. Mary could have gone around bragging that she was carrying the promised Messiah, and as a result, she could have demanded that she be given the best room in the end, but she didn't. Mary and Joseph chose to humbly accept the trials and the troubles that God sent their way, and as a result, God lifted them up. He raised them up. He sent angels to make proclamations and shepherds to pass the word for them about who they were and what kind of child they had been blessed with. Mary and Joseph chose not to toot their own horn. Instead, they let God do it for them. The lesson here is that when credit comes to you for ministry and talents and abilities you have, let it be God and others who bring it rather than yourself. Amen. Again, this is the lesson we see in verses 19 and 20 as well. And it says, but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard 
and seen as it was told to them. Mary was not the one to go around and tell people how great she was and how much God had blessed her. Instead, she just kept all those things and pondered them in her heart. And God used the shepherds to tell the world about Mary and her newborn baby. God has blessed us all with gifts and talents, great, incredible abilities and gifts, which will be a, do astounding things for the kingdom. But God doesn't want us to go around bragging about what he has given us. He doesn't want us to get the big head and think that we are more important than we really are. Instead, like Mary and Joseph, we need to quietly and humbly accept whatever position and privilege God has placed us in. And as we prove ourselves faithful with a little, he will give us more. How many can attest that God can push me further with just one word than I could do ever bragging on myself? We need to stop tooting our own horn and let God do it for us in his perfect timing. Paul writes in Philippians chapter 2 that we should be like Christ. And I, should, I suppose we could say like Mary and Joseph for making themselves of no reputation, acting like a servant to everybody and humbling themselves to the greatest extent possible. And as a result, God highly exalted them and raised them up. Jesus was, Jesus was lifted above every name on heaven and, in heaven and on earth. And before him, every knee would bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. If we, humbly, if we humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord, he will lift us up. Oftentimes, we think of the birth of Jesus in just another Christmas story. But as we have seen, this is the real life lesson. Joseph and Mary's trials and tri tribulations were overwhelming. They could have easily pointed the finger at Caesar Augustus, but they didn't. They could have become bitter, but they, instead they became better. All of the suffering and convenience and discomfort caused by the decree of Caesar was actually the loving hand of God working things out to accomplish his purpose. So could it be the things we thought were sent to destroy us were actually a part of God's perfect plan? 700 years before the prophet Micah, before these events happened, the prophet Micah, God declared that the Messiah would come from Bethlehem. And so while Caesar thought he was in the one in control, he was really God, it was really God who was in control and Caesar was only a puppet, a tool in the hand of God to accomplish his purpose. And one of God's purposes was to give more praise and honor than Mary and Joseph could have ever imagined or could have ever raised for themselves. All of us need to learn from Mary and Joseph's sufferings. Our troubles and our trials in life are tools in the hand of God to mold us and shape us, to make us into something beyond our imagination. When trials and troubles come into our lives, we feel like we're getting crushed like an olive but we must remember that the olive must be pressed to make the oil, which is something precious and of high value. Remember this, God is making you into something great. And whatever trials you are facing, ask God this, Father, what are you trying to teach me in this situation? How can this trial make me more like Jesus? What oil in my life are you trying to press out of me? And how can these troubling times make me better instead of bitter? And as I take my seat, I want to leave you with this. God wants to change your troubles into triumphs, but we have to trust the process, be obedient, and allow him to perform his work in us. And when it's all said and done, he will exalt us. Amen. Amen. Come on, we can do better than that.
listen, um, I want to say this. Um, so when I told Brianna and, and the other minister that they were going to be doing this, um, since she brought it up, I'm going to talk about it. Um, she freaked out. I mean, literally had a meltdown in front of everybody. Just, just had a meltdown. And, um, you know, in a nice, nasty way that I can do sometimes, um, I looked at I said, well, did he call you or not? See how y'all got quiet right there? Did he call you or not? Because if he called you, do you have something to say? And so after she came down and uh, chilled out and she could really couldn't say nothing back to that, you know, um, I want to say that what you taught on, you can play, what you taught on tonight um, was absolutely masterful. What you don't realize is homiletically, you are so light years ahead in your homiletics. Homiletics, hermeneutics is how you interpret the Bible. Homiletics is how you present the word of God, how you preach it, okay? And there is, it's, it's also an art, it's like an art of preaching. And Brianna, what you don't understand is homiletically, you have a way of bringing the Bible and creating pictures with your words which is a hard thing to do. And so stop doubting your gift. Stop, stop doubting it. It's there. It is there. I mean, when I read it, you notice she didn't get no response from me? Yeah. She sent it to me. I didn't say nothing back. Because there was nothing I could say. It was, it was masterfully put together. And I am so godly proud of you. I want to say this. You heard it tonight. You need to go back and listen to this because she gave you so much within what she was, what she was teaching on tonight that I, I don't think you got it all sitting here. I read it, and I still got something different from when she's talked about it on tonight. So make sure you go back to that. Can we bless God for the word on tonight? Amen. Masterful. Amen. Masterful. I am so godly proud of these ministers. They have been doing a great job all month long, and um, I, am, I am just godly proud of them. Um, it feels good when a pastor can step away and the job still get done. Amen. I don't ever want to raise a church where the only word you can get is from me. That's control. Um, I want to raise a thinking church. I want to raise a church that can receive the word. I holler and scream and, and, and I'm loud, right? Because, you know, I come out of the Pentecostal church and that's, that's, that's how I was raised. That's, that's style. But you can be anointed and never lift your voice. And the power of what you experienced tonight was an anointed word. Amen. And never had to lift a voice, not one time. And I am so grateful that I got a church that can receive the word. If somebody preaching it or somebody teaching it, you still receive the word. If you got your word on tonight, give God glory for the word one last time. Amen. Masterful. That was very good. Very good. I just want to give you a couple of announcements and we're out of here on tonight. Uh, don't forget. Don't forget our New Year's Eve service is going to be Tuesday. Tonight is the last midweek of the year. Amen. So you got the rest of the year off on Wednesdays. Praise God. Hallelujah. Yeah, it's only two left in this year. Praise God. Mm -hmm. you got, it's only two left in this year. Praise God. Amen. So 
You got the rest of the year off. Amen. On, on Wednesday night. Um, and listen, I want to just give you a couple of things about um, how next year is going to be a little bit different. Um, midweek is going to kind of shift in, in, a, in a way, and I want you to hear this. Um, in January, in January, I'm doing a series on Wednesday called, Is Christianity a White Man's Religion? Okay. Because what I realize is that um, I am, I, I, it bothers me that Christians have doubts about stuff but never communicate it, right? And so um, many of us, we were raised in Christianity. There are very few in here that was not raised in it. And so we come from a time, at least I do, that this is what you were given and you lived it and you didn't, you didn't ask no questions. Don't you question God, you know? And so now that we're in a new generation where you got millennials and uh, Gen Z and all these other generations and the ones after that that don't even have a letter, um, they have questions. And I think that it's time to answer it. And I know the people around the church, has been, they've been, I've been getting on everybody's nerves because uh, Chantel came to a meeting the other day. She saw a book. She said, what you read? I said, how uh, Christianity in Africa shaped the minds of, uh, how Christianity in Africa shaped the minds of Christians. She said, that's above my pay grade. You can have that. <laughs> and I'm sitting up there, and I've expressed this, that I feel like as I'm researching and studying, trying to get ready for January, Christianity is more African than anything. And when you start to do your research and really look at it, we have been robbed of our heritage. The way you even interpret the Bible to this day were founded on the African fathers. Third century. Yeah. It, it messes, it, it's blowing my mind as I study and I read the word of God. And so, and as I read my resources, so the first month in January is going to be more, it's not going to be, you know, um, God going to make a way and he going to bring you out. So I want to be clear about that. It's going to be very his, um, history. I'm going to be teaching a lot of history, very history. So I want you to hear this. The first week in, um, in, for midweek in January, I'm going to be teaching on the black people in the Bible. Because you need to see where you at. Okay. Uh, number uh, The second week, I'm going to be talking about early African Christianity. How did Christianity get to Africa and how did it spread? Did you not know that um, Christian, they predict by 2030, majority of Christians on this planet will be from the continent of Africa? 46% of all Africans right now, in the, on the, the people that live in Africa right now, 46% are all Christians. 46%. They expect that number to rise by 2030 to somewhere around 60%. Yet a post has made you believe that, that, that Jesus is white and that you got this from the slave master. It will blow your mind what I've been studying and researching. So we're going to talk about early African Christianity. How did Christianity spread, uh, especially in the area of the Nile? Because it started there and spread. Christianity is also the only religion in Africa that was not forced on people. Islam was. Catch that too. Yeah. Um, third week, I'm going to talk about places of contention in the Bible. So we will talk about slavery in the Bible. What was that? What was going on? God was okay with that? You know, what was happening 
in the Bible. We'll talk about different, we'll talk about even the role of, role of women in the Bible and how that even affects us to this day. How you got churches out there to this day that still won't have women that will preach. I got churches, some of y'all been to them, where the pastor can be up here, but the women got to be down here. You got you that, little, that little stand. Why do we, where does that come from? So I'm going to talk about the contention places in the Bible. And the last week, the fourth week in Wednesday is a panel discussion. We have people who are far more versed than I am that got PhD behind their name that will be coming. We've confirmed two guests. We're trying to get our third guest who will be here to answer questions, to talk about it so that you can be well informed. Why am I doing this? Because I believe that the people that we're connected to don't know the information and here's your opportunity to invite them to church so that you can get it and that you can give it to somebody else. We will be well informed, amen. We will know our faith. I'm telling y'all, it has sparked something in me that I just, I'm like, I can't believe this. Like Christianity is more African than anything, okay? And so we're gonna talk about that and, and really dive into that. So I'm excited about that. So that's gonna be happening in January. So just wanted to uh, give that out to you as well. Uh, don't forget, we have New Year's Eve service. Uh, the Tuesday, December the 31st, we'll be having our all, um, all black New Year's Eve service from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. Uh, you wanna join us in your all black as we close out 2019. It's gonna be an amazing experience in the Lord and you wanna make sure you're here as well. Um, Minister Brianna will be uh, preaching on Sunday, amen. So we're excited about that as well. Ladies, don't forget, Well Woman Vision Board Party is going to take place on uh, Jan uh, Saturday, January the 11th at 11 a.m. Sign up at www.tfcj.org forward slash a well woman. Please sign up as soon as possible because seating is limited. Uh, Attorney Rhonda Peoples Waters, who was here, was that Sunday? Okay, Sunday. I can't even remember what Sunday it was. Uh, she was here on Sunday. We, um, she will be here for that, talking about vision and casting vision. And, um, and also Nicole Bank will also be here as well. And so you want to make sure you're here for that. It's going to be an amazing time, ladies. And it's a great time to kick off your vision. Uh, ladies, I want to be clear. 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 No longer will you sit in 2020. Let me talk to single women. You will not sit in 2020 worried about a man. Get you a vision. You ain't got to wait on somebody so you can go take a trip somewhere. Take your own self. Stop it. Because your thirst is making you behave in ways that is not pleasing to God. And you end up with breath and riches. That's old school right there. Amen. He that findeth a wife, findeth a good thing. Let him find you. Amen. But you get your vision together. Get your money together. Get your credit together. Amen. Get your life together. You ain't got to listen. The only time you work out is when you're trying to catch. That's a problem. I feel the Holy Ghost right there, but I'm going to move on. Because what just happened in your mind is a bunch of women that you done thought about <laughs> who start working out when they ain't got somebody. time you look good is when you're trying to catch that's a problem you need to look good all the time amen be the best version of you with or without somebody amen 
So ladies, I want you to sign up for that. That's going to be an incredible time. Don't forget intercessory prayer ministry. If you want to be a part of the intercessory prayer ministry, we've had some people to sign up. I'm excited about that. A, a mandatory training will be held on January the 7th. That's a Tuesday and January the 21st at 6.30 p.m. For those who would like to sign up, you can visit us at www.tlcj.org forward slash prayer. Intercessory prayer ministry is going to be vital in 2020. Uh, praying for those who are sick. They will be praying at the beginning of every service now. Um, I am releasing, I had this model in my head that ministers were supposed to do everything. And then God checked me one day and said, there's some people who got a, a call on their life that is not a minister. So I need to stop just regulating certain things to just ministers. It had, people have gifts and callings, and I'm getting in 2020, we're raising and pulling those, those gifts out. So some of you have an intercessory prayer ministry, uh, and so you want to make sure that you sign up for that and so that you can help build your church even in the area of prayer, all right? Um, don't forget, keep Monisa and her family in your prayers as well. And last but not least, don't forget to please give towards the cameras uh, for the vision by uh, uh, this Sunday. Really, we need it by this Sunday. $40 above tithes and offerings. You guys had a great start of the first week. Uh, 930. I didn't get the I didn't get the amount for this Sunday, but I, um, last Sunday that just passed. But I'll have it on this Sunday coming. But we need 3,500 dollars. So you want to make sure you get that in as soon as possible. We want to make sure that we get cameras and we have that ready for 2020. Amen. Amen. I want to say thank you so much for all your hard work all year long making Wednesday night happen. Can we bless God for our musicians? Amen. Amen. And um, the sound ministry and everybody in the greeters ministry as well. Amen. Serving on Wednesday night. Amen. Everybody want to serve on Sunday because that's the crowd. But amen. Faithfulness is proven on Wednesday nights. Look at your neighbor and say, faithfulness is proven on Wednesday nights. Amen. Got a whole bunch of people calling themselves faithful sitting in the bed right now. Amen. Tell them, pastor, say you ain't faithful. No, anyway. Um, amen. All right. I think that's all I had. Uh, yes, that's all I had. Okay, all right. Everybody standing as we get ready to go. Amen. Amazing word, amazing word, amazing word. I want to say thank you to Minister Teresa for preaching the word on Sunday. Amen. Amen. We're excited. Amen about what God is doing. Praise God. And 2020 is our 10-year anniversary. Amen. 10 years song I'm going to teach y'all one day. It's been a long, long, long journey, and I'm not tired. Amen. Praise God. <laughs> Notice I said that last line. Praise God. <laughs> um, uh, grab the hand of your neighbor as we get ready to go. Man. Freedom, I love y'all. I love y'all so much. I really do. I love y'all. The Lord has really taken my prayer life with you all to the next level. I'll be praying for y'all all the time. I can't stop praying. Amen. And so I just, I know that God is getting ready to do something amazing. And I said it on Sunday that the fact that we're getting ready to venture out and move from this place to another location, it got me excited because the Lord said, if I'm getting ready to increase the house, that means I'm getting ready to increase the people. And I said on Sunday that God is getting ready to drop some things in you and do some things with you that is going to open up this avenue, even in the area of your finances. I'm standing on this word. I need you to check the record. Hear me, check the record and look to see, did you make more money this year than you've ever made in your life? Check the record. The 
God told me to tell you, watch this, that in 2020, he's going to go even more. He's going to increase you even more. Y'all know I'm not a money preacher, but I heard the Lord on this. And I know that God is getting ready to do, because any time that he moves the church to the next level, he's moving the people to the next level. And I'm excited about it. Father, we thank you on tonight, God. We thank you for your the power of your word, God. Thank you, God, that you can take us from our troubles all the way to triumph. That no matter what we go through, God, you will lift us up out of every burden. And we honor you and bless you for what you're doing, God. God, we thank you for your servant on tonight that, that preached the word, that taught the word on tonight, God. Bless her in a special way for her sacrifice on tonight. And we thank you and honor you for what you're doing, even in this house, for the maturity, for the growth in the saints of God. God, we thank you right now. God, as we leave this place, we never want to leave your presence, God. God, go with us everywhere that we go. We can't be without you, God. We can't live without you. We can't move without you, God. So, God, we pray right now that you be with us. We thank you, God, for every last Wednesday of this year, God. God, we thank you for the word that you have given us. We thank you for the word that you have taught us. We thank you that you have strengthened us and grew us this year like never before, God. And we bless you and honor you for all that you're doing. God, cover our children, cover our families now, God, and we bless you and honor you. God, I pray right now, I come against a spirit of depression in this time of, of Christmas and celebration. I come against a spirit of weight of heaviness, God, that, that wants to come on the people. God, I pray right now that you give us joy unspeakable and full of glory. We thank you right now, God, that even in this time that people will not put their heads in sorrow, God, but lift up our heads, God. Let us have a praise on our lips in spite of who's not here and who's here, in spite of how we feel, God, and we thank you and honor you. We give you the glory. We give you the praise. Can you do me a favor? Just pray for your neighbor right now. Come on, come on, pray against a spirit of heaviness, a, a spirit of depression. Come on, I need you to just pray right now. Come on. Come on, we rebuke it right now in the name of Jesus, God. Lift up every bowed down head. Heal every broken heart now, God. And God, we pray right now for victory. We pray right now for joy. We pray right now, God, that out of our belly shall flow rivers of living water. God, we pray right now, God, against everything that comes to weigh us down. God, we pray right now that my neighbor will have the victory this year. We pray right now, God, that they, even if they go home alone, you're still right there with them. God, I pray right now, God, that even if they don't get a present, they know they have the greatest present in you, God, and we decree it and declare it to be so, God. We press into our hand right now victory. We press into our neighbor's hand right now victory. We decree it. We declare it. You're more blessed than you've ever been. You're going higher. God has more for you, and I decree it and I declare that he'll wipe every tear out of your eye. He'll turn your mourning into dancing. Hallelujah! And we glorify you in Jesus' Jesus, great name we pray. I need you to give God the best praise you can. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hug somebody before you go. Hug somebody before you go. Hallelujah.